to free beers and a movie. Nice. Hello and welcome to episode 111 of Three Beers and a Movie. I am Richard Laird and today I am alone. Um, I am the only three beer person who is available to do a podcast, so I'm doing it solo today. Um, so as you imagine, this will be quite a short and sweet one. Uh, it's only the second time I've had to do this and don't like doing it, but it's good to get one out every week as it keeps the, the record up. So, um, at home, not drinking much, and um, we'll get straight into the movies. Um, so not much at home watching. Well, we'll we touch on one that's watched at home, but it's, a, it's not just a standard home viewing. Um, and that is the Red Sea Diving Resort, which is on Netflix. Um, it is this sort of latest film from, from Netflix and they're continuing you know, try to you know bring original content to to the platform and not relying on, on other people. Um, so this one's the Red Sea Dive Resort, um, directed by Gideon Roth, I believe his name is, um, who directed a film called The Killing Floor a few years ago and has done a fair bit of, of television as well. This is certainly the, the biggest um, thing he's done uh, to date. Um, in the film, uh, you've got Chris Evans, uh, Captain America extraordinaire, uh, Michael K. Williams from The Wire and from Boardwalk Empire. Um, Haley Bennett from Magnificent Seven um, and Girl on the Train, uh, she appeared in that. And also Greg Kinnear and Sir Ben Kingsley also uh, pop up in sort of small minor roles. And this film is basically the plot, it's set in, I believe in the 1980s, where the Jewish people of Ethiopia are being massacred by the, the, by the government um, at the time. Uh, the Jewish state wants to bring the Jewish people in Ethiopia back home. You know, to, to, to Israel, um, but they can't just go in and take them back as, as one um, because that will cause a war, so they have to do it sort of covertly. Um, and the way they do that is by setting up something called the Red Sea Diving Resort. Essentially, it's an abandoned diving resort set up by the French. They're going to use that as sort of a front in order to, to smuggle people out of the, the refugee camps uh, and then to the and, and back to Israel. Um, so it's, 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 it's based on a true story. Um, from what I read, it's not. It's, Pretty, it holds pretty accurate to the to the the main points of the story. It's not hundred percent accurate as, as all these things are, but it's got the, the base, the rough, the rough idea of what, what happened. It's a very probably going to be compared with, and, and probably more people will say the same. Very much like Argo, kind of very Argo esque thriller, um, full of good bit of tension. Um, you're always sort of on edge as to what's happening because they do have a few set pieces where you're wondering what's going on and you know will they succeed. Um, but it has got what Arrow didn't have, which is a bit of a lighter touch at times. They, they have this sort of almost a montage of you know them setting up the Red Sea diving resort and and it gets into that into, into that. So you have a little bit of, like a little bit funnier as they're trying to not only smuggle people out of of the country, they're also trying to keep up the pretense that this is a, a tourist attraction. Um, and without it, they would be they probably be blown. Um, cast, as you imagine, um, particularly Chris Evans and Michael K. Williams in front of it are all are, are all very good. I would argue that only Evans really gets a strong arc. He's, he is the, the focal point of this film. And I imagine the reason why it's even been made in the first place is because maybe he put a lot of his weight behind it, his, his post-Avengers you know, bankability behind it. Um, so he is the one who sort of gets the main arc and, and his story is sort of the one that is told the most throughout it. Everyone else has a little moment in the film, um, but they are, they are quite giving us quite a bigger breadth of character and they are quite sometimes interchangeable, particularly the, the group of Mossad agents. Um, they... they you know, there's not much to distinguish between them and, and what's made of them. Um, but that's, that's sort of standard in these, in these kind of films. Um, like any historical fiction, um, it does 
or sort of going non-fiction, sorry, it does have to condense and, and sort of simplify a lot of the story, uh, the arc, you know, to make it palatable for like a, you know, a two-hour film, which I, I totally understand. It does work. It's a shame you, um, you don't get to see, you know, everyone who's involved in this and everyone, whatever role they played and how it all played out properly. Um, but there is enough there of, of history that's real that you don't feel too cheapened by it. And it does all seem amazing as it was, still very plausible. And, and when you do start reading up about it, it does become very interesting. Um, so it's definitely a very, very decent thriller. Certainly had no problems with it at all. Really enjoyed it as a, as a Friday night watch. Um, would have been good in the cinema as well. It's a shame it's only on Netflix. You know, it's, It seems a film that would be actually quite suited to the big screen. It's got that kind of... Like I said, Argo-esque thriller this nature to it, so you have actually be really good for it. And definitely sort of an above average Netflix movie. Um definitely hiding by the cast I've got in it. Um, and just a story matter itself, it's it's a very interesting story. Um so because of that, definitely a decent watch, definitely worth a watch. And if you're sitting at home, particularly in Britain as it is right now, where it's raining every thirty seconds and then, you know, torrential rain every thirty seconds, you don't want to go out to the cinema, it's a it's a perfectly decent and Netflix, you know, home watch, uh, and I would give that seven out of ten. So they're definitely worth a watch. And um, next film is one that is at the cinema, and um, I think it's still in the cinema. It's a film called Animals, directed by Sophie Hyde, who directed a film called Fifty Two Tuesdays, which is a bit of a darling on the the indie circuit. I haven't seen it myself, but I've heard very good things about it. Um, the plot of this film is essentially it's two best friends living in Dublin, who are leaving their 20 pounds and entering into their 30s they've had a hard life in terms of like they, they enjoy life they, they party they like to do drugs they like to you know drink they like to have sex with anybody they want to have sex with um but as they start to enter their 30s they begin to sort of change one of them is sort of still on that path and still enjoys that lifestyle the other one sort of starts to maybe feel she has to go down the sort of the road more travel you know finding a man and settling down having children um, and sort of moving on to a new stage in her life and it's just sort of it's just essentially about their friendship and how it has been, how it changes, um, and, and what it is uh, going forward and, and speaking to people in a broader sense of what, you know, leaving behind this delayed adolescence is all about. Um, and the film you've Holly Granger uh, from The Riot Club, uh, My Cousin Rachel and The Finest Hours. Um, I think she's also in The Bourgeois as well on television. Um, you've also, and the other best friend is uh, Ali Shock. Shockhat, sorry, um, from Arrested Development and Green Room. Um, she's, she's a, she plays another friend. And you've also got a love interest back from Fra Free, who is from Le Miserable, um, an Irish actor. And also Dermot Murphy pops up. Um, he's in Bohemian Rhapsody, so he also pops up in the film uh, for a short period of time. But it's very much focused on the two female leads, um, Holly Granger and Alia Shawkat. Um, so it's a very, very funny film. It's sometimes very darkly funny um, but it does have you laughing throughout the film um, and sometimes you're laughing at the absurdity of the situation sometimes you laugh at you know the, the idiocy of the situation and sometimes you laugh because it just it maybe hits home to anyone who's got a close friend it, it kind of hits home very close to that you know the idea of you know, not every friendship is perfect you know you, you, in order to have a friendship you, you have to argue, you have to fight, and, and sometimes friendships hit a certain bump in the road where if you get over that bump, you'll be friends forever. If you don't, you might, you know, that your friendship will, will dissolve and go a different way. Um, so it's, it's very emotional and very, 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 very realistic portrayal of what a friendship is. Um, 
two cast the two main leads in it and um, Granger is fantastic she's wonderful um, pretty decent Irish accent um, for, for a Mancunian she, she, she gets it pretty solid um, and she, she definitely gets the heart of the character um, Shawkat as well she is also excellent she's been very good in everything she does she gets that sort of bohemian free spirit um, idea across uh, you know to, to a T um, and you sort of certainly believe both their journeys and, and every decision they make definitely feels like it's a realistic and real decision for that character nothing seems you know sort of forced or and, and they bring different believability to everything they do throughout the throughout the film um it's really it's what's really amazing about it is it's rare for cinema these days is that it's a female friendship which is obviously something that's not really shown on cinema much beyond you know sort of a shoulder to cry on to have an actual genuine female friendship in a film you know, apart from Thelma and Louise and recently this year Booksmart, it's quite rare to see. Um, and also the friendship is, is not defined by the males in their life. They're not, you know, it's, if any of the males are an upsetting factor that comes into the world, you know, and, and that's what, it, it changes a friendship, but it's not the, the defining point of it. And they, they always have a, a certain love and a certain commitment to each other. And it's, it's how their friendship changes, not how the characters change with, with any love interest that comes into the film. Um, so that's for, for cinema that's you know recently that's pretty rare and it was quite refreshing to see and um, people have had you know countless examples of you know the buddy cop male friendship and um, so it's nice to see it from a, a different angle and directed by a woman um, and written it's based on a book and it's written by a female as well and um, she adapted her own novel so it's again it's, it's it's definitely very much a film from a female uh, point of view direction of the film very simple nothing extravagant with, with direction it does to do some sort of a nice you know, sort of um, editing tricks and sort of and sort of visual style, but it's nothing too extravagant. But it suits the story down to the ground. It just it keeps the story flowing, paces it well, tone is consistent throughout. Just it's just a very very well done film, um, and because every character is so understandable, they are flawed, but they are also very um, likable, um, but also dislikable, understandable. It 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 feels like a, a genuine real world situation and everything about it seems like if you're not these people you recognize them as someone you might know or if you or you might recognize maybe elements of yourself and these characters maybe not to like to the nth degree that they go you know they are they some of them are quite extreme especially in the early days with their drinking and their drugs and all that kind of stuff they are a bit more sort of maybe um we all know people who are like that but it, it's maybe you recognize certain elements of yourself in those characters and um, so I, I really enjoyed it it's a really like it's a really funny darkly comic but also exceptionally um, emotional as well and it does really get to the heart of friendship relationships and just the growing up and you know growing up and becoming going from that, that adolescence that sometimes lasts in nearly into your th or beyond your 30s and taking that step into what is essentially adulthood and being a, a fully rounded uh, you know human being so fantastic film hopefully it gets a, a, a decent cinema run i think it's unfortunately i think it's going to fall away very quickly i don't think it's competing well with the, the big budget releases that are out just now um, and because of that it probably will disappear very quickly but if you get a chance to watch it it'll probably end up on Netflix, Amazon, something like that relatively soon, have a look out for it because it's a fantastic, fantastic watch and, and definitely worth it and a lovely pairing alongside something like Booksmart that came out earlier on this year both films that should really, if you're looking for a good you know, female led double bill you, you couldn't probably go better than those two um, this one is excellent and, and would run alongside it very well out of 10, giving it 8 out of 10, and probably could have pushed it a little bit higher, 
Um, but yeah, definitely solid 8 out of 10. Really, really well done and an interesting film. The last film um, we're going to talk about is the big cinematic release of the week, the one that's going to eat up all the cinema screens, and that is Fast and Furious, colon, or Fast and Furious Presents, uh, Hobbs and Shaw, uh, directed by David Leach, who was an uncredited director or co-director of John Wick. He's also a stunt coordinator on that and also the writer. Um, he's branched out himself and he's done, he has directed Deadpool 2 uh, and Atomic Blonde. Uh, so he's, he's, he's got experience in action and, and, and sort of set pieces, so he, he has that in his, in his favour. I enjoyed the hell out of John Wick, as everyone who listens knows. Um, Deadpool 2, I, would, I was down on a little bit more compared to the, the first one, but still really liked as well. Uh, and Atomic Blonde, I had a lot of time for, for most of it. Maybe a few more elements that didn't really jive with me, but for the most part, I quite enjoyed Atomic Blonde. So, yeah, he's, he's an interesting, a, a, a decent, solid um, action pedigree. Um, the plot of this film is... It's almost madness to talk about it. To be to be fair, it's a completely insane plot. Um, is that in the film, Dwayne Johnson and Jason Statham are tasked with finding Iris El oh Kirby Shaw, who is Jason Statham's sis, uh, sibling in this film, who has injected herself with a virus that can destroy the world. At the same time, Iris El was also trying to get his hands on this virus, and because he's trying to get his hands on the virus as well. He is also trying to stop Jason Statham and uh, Dwayne Johnson from getting that virus and himself get it himself. Um, so in the film, like I said, Dwayne Johnson, Jason Statham, Idris Elba, Kirby Shaw and Helen Mirren uh, it pops up as Jason Statham's mum, as of course she would. Um, so that's a, it's a very insane plot of, of people trying to, and because they're trying to get the virus back, they are traipsing the world in all different manner of set pieces to try and avoid getting caught or indeed try to catch someone so like I said it is exceptionally loud it's insanely dumb it is uber male to the nth degree madness um, and all that is pretty much expected, anyone who is a fan of the Fast and the Furious franchise will probably absolutely love this because it's again it's taking two characters who they've very much enjoyed since um, uh, over the last three or four films and Giving them sort of so much more to do, um, and and more even more screen time. Like the Rock, the Rock and Jason are pretty much on screen for every moment of this film. Um, so if you're into the films, you'll you'll you get what you want from it. If you're not into the films, because I'm not quite as much into these films as other people are, you will find it exceptionally stupid. And and I enjoy a stupid action film, but there is there is these there's these ones just do seem to stretch credibility. It gets into just pure, almost superhero comic bookiness. With with it, it, it it's it, it's almost too, it's too insane to be enjoyable in a way. It's just it, it's just it's too big and and, and silly at the, at the base point. I just I didn't buy into it. Um, the set piece of this film, which all these films are based around, these are the, these are the things that make these films. There's a decent car chase in London, um, or actually Glasgow, but set in London. That's very enjoyable. It's, it's a really strong, solid car chase that you can get behind. It builds. It's you know it, it moves quickly and it, you, you embrace it and you enjoy it and it, it's it's very fun. And it's really enjoyable. A couple other ones. There's a few other. The, the, the major set piece towards the end is is kind of so stupid it doesn't really make sense. And um, a couple other ones just they just don't quite feel that interesting to be, to be fair. And there's a because they're trying to 
jam in these set pieces, there's whole chunks of the film that really have no bearing on the plot or any bearing on moving the story forward, but they need to keep an action scene, you know, every every ten pages. But you can lift them out and just chuck these things out the window, and it would make no difference to the plot. You could cut the film down by a good thirty odd minutes because it's, it, it clocks in at over two hours. Um, the biggest disappointment for me in the film was, and like I said, I've been with pretty low expectations. I'm not a huge Fast and Furious fan. Was with David Leach behind the camera. I really hope for some decent sort of fight scenes, sort of hand-to-hand fight scene things, you know, the ones he does in John Wick, you know, he, he was a part of, you know, and even Atomic Blonde just had a great fight scene in Atomic Blonde, um, you know, sort of the end fight scene, it was, it was brilliant. Deadpool 2 also had some very solid fight scenes as well. This one doesn't, it, it's, it's so edited and so quick that you, it doesn't feel in any way sort of flowing or, or again, interesting. You can tell it's made up of a thousand different single moves, They've done over the course of a, of a week, you know, and, and, and just cut them together and make a fight scene as opposed to seeing anything generally flow. And that may not be the fault of the director. The director might have been trying to pull off something bigger. And maybe three main cast members, you know, Dwayne Johnson, Statham, and Elba, just haven't got the kung fu, you know, chops to pull off a, a strong fight scene. It's happened before, you know, you see things like when Captain America fights um, the guy on the boat in Civil War. That fight scene is edited to hell because they didn't have the, the talent to, to pull off the, the flowing fight scene you're, you're used to. And because we have been spoiled so much by things like The Raid, like Judge Dredd, you know, or Dredd, sorry, um, and John Wick, you, if you do see things like this that just don't feel real or feel flowing, you feel a little bit cheated by it. The bar has been raised to a point where you just you, you expect it now. And that is the fault of these guys who, who put this up so amazingly. They're anything slightly below par comes across feeling a bit naff and the fight scenes in this were I thought they were pretty boring to be honest and didn't really buy into them eh, for most of it. Dwayne Rainrock Johnson and Jason Statham as you'd expect are pretty charming. Um they have a lot of screen time together. They are not you they're, they're not the actors that they think they are in this or they're trying to be in this film. There's a lot of strike you can tell it's maybe improv, you know, insults towards each other and it just it feels weak, and you could easily cut half of it out of it, and it, some of them are very funny, but you could cut the other half out, and it would not change the, the film at all, um, and it just because it does feel like they're you know they're trying to swing for something, but they're not natural improv actors, you know they are much more actors who are, you know who, who know what they're what they're what they're doing, in their own guises. When you try and break out of this, it just doesn't it, it doesn't work to the same degree, um. Rest of the cast are pretty. I have, have nothing to do. You know, Iris Elba is now turning into a bad guy for hire. You will say yes to anything, um, and doesn't really have that much to do other than the sort of skill of the camera and just sound cool, which Iris Elba does very well. Um, Kirby Shaw playing the um, Jason sister. You know, supposedly they're roughly the same age. In fact, she's at least twenty odd years younger even just by looking at her. Um, again, doesn't have much to do. She's she's, she's kind of wasted. Um, and Kirk, and uh, Helen Mirren is only, it's a cameo at best and it's always nice to see Helen Mirren on screen but didn't really have much to do obviously um, if you're a fan of the original films or all, any of the series you will probably get something from this if you're not it's probably best to avoid it's definitely very much in the guise of what the original series or the other films were about so bear that in mind if you're going to see it um, out of 10 for the fans probably 6 probably would give it a 8 out of 10 or a 7 out of 10. If you're not a fan, it'll probably down there towards a 3, 4 out of 10. So I would round it off and say 6.5 out of 10. It would seem a fair, a fair bet on this one. Um, but that's it uh, for this week. Um, 
in terms of the movies that are still out. Um, next week, we're going to be talking about a few things that are still out and also are coming out um, over the next few days. Um, still out that we've not seen is Horrible Histories, The Rotten Romans, which I'm very looking forward to seeing because I'm a fan of the books and I'm a fan of the, the first film, Bill. Um, so that, that should hopefully still be out. And the animated film, Angry Birds 2, which is actually getting better reviews than I expected uh, for an Angry Birds 2. You know, it, it felt like it was going to be one of the films that should have died in committee, but unfortunately it made a lot of money and, and this one I've maybe put a bit of energy into and it's apparently pretty decent. So um, we're going to see that. Um, new out next week, we've got The Sun is Also a Star, which is sort of a, a teen or young adult romance um, set in New York um, with, uh, I can't remember the actress's name, but she's basically going to get deported and she, she meets some guy and there's, there's 24 hours to fall in love. Um, so that's out. Uh, the Art of Racing in the Rain, which is a utterly horrendous title, um, but it seems to be about a dog that's um, going through his family's life and watch them grow up and it, you're seeing the world through these these dog POVs that are, that are sort of coming in all the rage in uh, cinema this now it looks 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 like you know what you're gonna get from it when you when you see the trailer. Um Blinded by the Light is also out as well, which is a sort of um a, 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 a not a biopic but it's sort of a musical story with the about a guy who's dealing with something in the nineteen eighties in 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 England. Um, and he finds inspiration through the, the work and the lyrics of, of Bruce Springsteen. Um, as a big Springsteen fan, I'm very much looking forward to, to seeing that as well. Um, also, a new animated one is Playmobil, the movie. Whether or not we'll get to see this is, is very, very doubtful, but it's also out um, this week, or coming out next week. Um, so have a look out for that one. But the big release next week will be um, the ninth film from Quentin Tarantino, which is Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. I know myself and Colin are massive Tarantino fans and we'll be very much looking forward to seeing that and talking about it uh, next week but that is it for this week so I've been Richard 